Good morning, everyone. I want to welcome you to another worship service at the Seventh, uh, Williams Lake Seventh-day Adventist Church on a Sabbath morning. I'm delighted to be here with you and share the message of hope with a world that is in anxious thoughts or perplexed. Before we go any farther, I just want to bow um, our heads. I want to invite you to bow your heads with me as we pray. Creator God in heaven, we thank you this morning again for the hope that your word gives us. We thank you that you are a God of love and that you offer us your love, your joy, your peace in difficult times such as this one. We pray this morning that you will push back the forces of the evil one through your holy angels, that your Holy Spirit will be with us and in us, that we will see the amazing truth of your word, which is a testimony of Jesus, and what it is that you offer us through it and through the life of Jesus. We ask that you will be with us now. May we hear the words of Jesus, his words of promise, and may we be changed now and forever because we ask it and pray it in his name. Amen. Dearly beloved in the Lord, friend, skeptic, non-believer, whoever you are out there this morning listening, by the word of God, I am convinced this morning and more than ever before that we have the privilege of living in absolutely the best time of this earth's history. Are you? We do live in the end of the end of the world. But this current crisis is not the end quite yet. It could be, and I pray, is the catalyst to usher in the beginning of the great tribulation, such as was not since the world began, no, nor ever shall be, as Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, verse 21. Can you see the good news in Jesus' words here this morning? For at the end of that verse, he says, no, not either, ever shall be. When this is all over, there shall never be a time such as this or anything that's coming into this world yet before Jesus comes. This is good news in Jesus. My older brother and I, my Mar uh, brother Martin, in the past have had some thought-provoking discussions in the subject at hand. He would tell me that it sounds like we are trying to scare the masses into a relationship with Jesus through the fear factor by talking about the end times. 
But I say not at all. Why? Because Jesus himself said to us when he was here the first time, and he does when he talks about the second coming of his second coming in the scriptures, and he desperately wants you and me both to be ready for that great second, second coming when he appears in the clouds. He knows that we are eternal procrastinators. In our minds, there's always manana. You know that word? It stands for tomorrow. There'll always be a tomorrow. And he and I, my brother and I, agree that as many of us do not realize today that in reality, we only always have right now. So it doesn't really matter when Jesus comes because we only always have just right now. Manana or tomorrow may never come. I may die in a car accident leaving here this morning and Jesus will have come for me. We only always have just right now. Jesus said one day, some 2,000 years ago, when he walked the dusty roads of Palestine, at the beginning of his earthly ministry, he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He said, repent because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That means now, when we hear this message, it is our time. We may not have tomorrow. At the end of Jesus' earthly ministry, he commissioned his disciples to, and they did, in accordance to his command, after his ascension, proclaim the everlasting gospel, the everlasting gospel of salvation through restoration. The apostle Paul said to the church in Thessalonica, he said, because God from the beginning has chosen you for salvation through sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth. Salvation happens through sanctification and we are sanctified through the Holy Spirit and belief of the truth. Which truth? The truth of God's word. What's the truth of God's word? It's Jesus. Jesus alone will get us to heaven. Paul said in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 26, I want you to look it up sometime, maybe even this afternoon. Look it up. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 26 says, But now, once in the end of the world hath he appeared, that is Jesus, to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Did you notice the four points in there? The end of the world, Jesus came at the end of the world, appeared in the flesh to do what? To put away sin by how? The sacrifice of himself. Isn't that amazingly good news? But the reality is, and the urgency there is that Jesus, 2,000 years ago, came apparently according to the scripture at the end of the world. You know what this means for you and me? Living before the second coming of Jesus? The second coming of Christ? It means that we live at the end of the end of the world. I firmly believe this morning, today, now, that Jesus' second coming is eminent. It is very eminent. It will happen in our lifetime. But again, the reality is 
that we only always have just right now? Are you, am I, actively seeking and choosing Jesus always right now? Am I? Are you? It's a sobering question. The current COVID-19 pandemic crisis serves to demonstrate to you and me how fragile our lives really are in this world, how little freedom we really have, how little control over the events in this world we have, and how quickly things can go wrong, taking away our chance to share the everlasting gospel with the world, to win others to Christ. But brothers and sisters, friends, skeptics, non-believers, the reality is that the end is not yet, because this is not the time of trouble that Daniel wrote about and Jesus spoke of in Matthew chapter 24. But it could very well be the beginning of it, and I hope and pray it is. I am convinced that the end is not yet, but it could be the beginning of it. Because this gospel of the kingdom has not yet been preached to the, all the world. This current apparent crisis, I hope and pray, serves as a catalyst to move you and me into action. We do not know how much time we will have left when this imminent crisis passes. We have to pull out all the stops for God, and we have to do it now. We may not have tomorrow. So I invite you to yield yourself with me this morning to God. Whether we live or die through this crisis or anything else that, anything else that is coming, that is God's business. But your business and my business is to bring glory to God through whatever circumstances happen to our, in our lives. God says to you and me this morning in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Jesus himself, when he lived on this earth and he came the first time, has left these words for us, recorded for us by the gospel writer John. In John chapter 14, verse 12, you can look them up. You can follow along with me. John chapter 14, verse 12. And this is an amazing promise. This is an amazing prediction by none other but Christ himself. He said, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, he shall do also. And greater works than I he shall do, you shall do, because I go to the Father. We, you and I, have not fulfilled this promise quite yet. I repeat, I hope and pray that this current crisis moves you and me into action. We have no time left. We have no time to spare. We are simply living on borrowed time. Based on Jesus' words in John 14, verse 12, and Matthew chapter 24, verse 14, where Jesus says, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, and then the end shall come. This crisis, therefore, that we are living through right now has to and will pass. 
so the work may and will be finished as Jesus promised it would be through you and me. I pray that this crisis that we are living right now, which I believe will only pass, will pass, but will only pass for a short time, that after it passes, we do not fall back to our old status quo way of life, of doing nothing or very little for the proclamation of the gospel. With the passing of this crisis, I believe the world will never be the same. This world will not go back to the way we knew it before this began. As with the 9-11 crisis of the Twin Towers in New York, the world has never gone back to the way it was before. And after this crisis passes, it will not be the same. We do live in the edges of the toenails of the image of Daniel chapter 2. Look it up. Daniel chapter 2 talks about the end times. And it talks about that at the end, Jesus sets up a kingdom. God sets up a kingdom of which there shall be no end. And as you study secular history, you will find out that we are indeed living in the edges of the toenails of that image. The very next thing is that God will set up his kingdom. We have a few moments left. We only have a little time left when this crisis passes. More than ever before, dearly beloved in the Lord, friend, skeptic, non-believer, whoever you are out there listening this morning, we must study, seriously consider, and I pray you will with me accept the teachings of, stand on, and claim the promises of Jesus. In the Gospel of John, particularly chapters 13 to 17, which is what I believe is to be the heart of the entire Bible, the core of the entire Word of God. For there we have the promises by Jesus of the one gift, the Holy Spirit, who will make Jesus' promise to you and me in John 14, verse 12, a reality. Do you realize that this morning? If we stand and claim and experience the promises of Jesus, if we accept the teachings of Jesus in John chapter 13 to 17, start reading them, start studying them, memorize them. It is beautiful, it is hope-filled, and it is filled with peace. The Holy Spirit will use you and me to finish the work that God has given us. And while we're doing so, we will be filled with peace and joy through the divine comforter. Listen to what Jesus' words of promise say to you and me this morning. This promise is to you personally by Jesus when he walked this dusty planet. John chapter 14, a few ex excerpts from this passage of the Bible. John 14 verse 27 says, this is Jesus speaking to you this morning. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Isn't that good news? Would you like to experience the peace that Jesus offers you? Accept it by faith. 
Jesus in John chapter 16 verse 33 says to you, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation. Did you notice that? Jesus promises us that there will be tribulation in this world, that we, you and I, will experience tribulation in this world. But he says, you may have peace because I have overcome the world. Be of good cheer. Jesus offers you and me this morning joy Peter, that Peter calls later the joy unspeakable. In John chapter 15, verse 11, Jesus says to you and me this morning, These things have I spoken unto you, that, your, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy might be full. A chapter later, in John chapter 16, verse 22 and 24, Jesus is recorded to have said and promising to you and me, And ye now therefore have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man taketh from you. Ask, and ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. Your joy may be what? Says Jesus. It may be full. It may be beyond our human understanding. That's what Jesus offers us. He also offers us the coming of the Comforter. In John chapter 14, verse 16, Jesus says, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another Comforter, the Holy Spirit, that he may abide with you how often or for how long? Jesus is recorded to have said forever. This comforter that Jesus promised and that Jesus prayed for you and me to be filled with, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, will abide with us not just for this lifetime, not just today, not just tomorrow, not just for a week, not just for a month, but forever and ever and ever. Through claiming and living these promises alone, we will have the and will be fulfilling Jesus' command to us by extension as he commanded the disciples in John chapter 13. A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love for one another. There's only one way we can have this kind of love for one another, like Jesus exemplified for you and me, like Jesus lived for you and me to follow and to live. And that can be through the Holy Spirit, and that will result in this love that Jesus commands you and me to love each other with. God has allowed even this current crisis through which he is giving us the excellent opportunity to share with many anxious, fearful, perplexed, and wandering human minds as to what the future holds, God's reality of his existence, his loving care, his creative power, his control over this and every other circumstance and situation of all mankind's lives that we may ever have and will face. And we have this excellent opportunity to share the entire plan of salvation, which is a plan of restoration 
of God's people back to the way they were created. We were created back at the beginning of the word of God. And Jesus revealed and exemplified this through his life, his death, his resurrection, and now through his ministry in heaven for you and me. Through this downtime that you and I have right now, I invite you to be still and know that God is God, that God is the only true God, the ever-present, the all-knowing, the all-powerful Creator God. I want, you to, I want to invite you to listen to His still, small voice this morning and every moment that we have right now, allowing Him to fill you with His Holy Spirit without measure. This is a perfect opportunity for us to follow through on the commandment that Jesus gave to the disciples, which resulted in the day of Pentecost, when after 10 days of praying and meeting together in a small group, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. I want you to read about it in Acts chapter 2 and 3. We can and will experience the same and have the same experience. So you see, we have had and still have, to a varying degree, the deadly spiritual coronavirus sickness of the soul. We have this spiritual coronavirus sickness of unbelief, unrepentance, human pride, and ignorance, uh, not ignorance, yes, ignorance, and self-dependence, and arrogance, and rebellion. But I want you to stand with me and to allow God, through His Holy Spirit, to reflect the character of Christ to the world and to the universe. And when this crisis passes, to fit you for the final global initiative through the Holy Spirit of taking the full gospel globally to every tribe, tongue, nation, every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, leading many into a saving relationship with Christ. This full gospel message that is re uh, recorded for you and me of the last days in Revelation chapter 3, verse 6 to 13. Jesus says to you and me today, this morning, as he gave his promise to his disciples in Luke chapter 24, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are my witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endowed with power from on high. Jesus says if we tarry and we take this time that we have right now and spend it in communion with God, asking Him for that one gift, the Holy Spirit, we will be endowed with power and we will go to every nation all over the earth. At this time, while we have time, use it to tarry, use it to spend time with God, use it to read His Word, His love letter to you 
until you receive the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul, I'm sorry, the Apostle Mark records amazing details of Jesus' promise to the disciples concerning the commission. In Mark chapter 16, verse 17 and 18, he says, and he says this to you and me by extension, and these signs will follow those who believe. These signs will follow who? Those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak well with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will, by hand of, they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Aren't those some amazing, miraculous things that Jesus is speaking of? And he's promising this to you and me, that we may experience this. We do not have to worry and be concerned about this current crisis because Jesus will protect us and he will use us to heal others. As the disciples did this, you and I can as well. We too will if we choose as the disciples did to believe in and act on Jesus' words. The following will be the result as it was in the New Testament. An end time prophet called Ellen White wrote these words. And this is about to happen. We have a few moments left in this earth's history. And this will take place shortly. She writes, in visions of the night, representations passed before me of a great reformatory movement among God's people. Many were, many were praising God. The sick were healed and other miracles were wrought. Does that sound like what Jesus promises the, promised us in the, his word? The sick were healed and other miracles were wrought. A spirit of intercession was seen even as was manifested before the great day of Pentecost. Hundreds and thousands were seen visiting families, opening before them the word of God. Friend, I don't know what you're experiencing right now, but I experience shivers up and down my back every time I read this. Listen to what she says. Hearts were convicted by the power of the Holy Spirit and a spirit of genuine conversion was manifest. On every side, doors were thrown open to the proclamation of the truth. The world seemed to be lightened with the heavenly influence. Great blessings were received by the true and humble People of God, will you recommit yourself with me again this morning? Or perhaps for the first time, commit yourself to a full and complete surrender to Jesus? Will you allow him to be his instrument, to make you his instrument in his hands to finish the work he has given us, you and me? so that we can soon and very soon go home with him and see the Father. Again, Jesus' promise to you and me this morning is, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. I don't know if you realize that, friend, this morning, co-believer, non-believer, but these words of Jesus are not just a sign of Jesus' coming, but it is also a promise of His coming, 
but it is also a command because Jesus told his disciples and tells you and me this morning as he told them, go ye therefore into all the world in Matthew chapter 28. This gospel of the kingdom shall yet be preached in all the world and then the end will come. This is not the end, but I pray it's the beginning of the end so that we may soon see Jesus appear in the clouds of heaven. And collectively, under the power and through the power of the Holy Spirit, you and I will do greater works than Jesus did, according to his own words. Isn't that an amazing promise? Isn't that an amazing thought that you and I will do greater works than Jesus did? Only this will be possible as we are filled with the Holy Spirit and collectively our work will be greater than what Jesus alone did when he walked the dusty roads of Palestine. Under and alone through the Holy Spirit that Jesus promised us to have. Amazing. We are indeed living in the end of the end of the world. The best is yet to come. Friend, for Paul writes to the Thessalonians in chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians, verse 23 and 24. Now may the God of peace, did you notice what he says? May the God of what? May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless when? At the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he adds, He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. Isn't that good news for you and me this morning? God will have a people, as John records for us in the book of Revelation, of this book, the last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 4 verse 4 indeed says that in the end God will have a people who follow the Lamb wherever He goes. The question is, and my invitation to you this morning is, will you with your whole spirit, soul, and body determine in your heart here and right now this morning Dedicate yourself to God by standing with me and saying with me the words of hymn 623. I will say them and you can repeat them with me. And I invite you right now as you want to dedicate yourself and determine in your heart that you will walk with Jesus and you will be his instrument. I invite you to stand and say these words with me. I will follow thee, my Savior, wheresoever my, lot, wheresoever my lot may be. Where thou goest, I will follow. Yes, my Lord, I'll follow thee. I will follow thee, my Savior. Thou didst shed thy blood for me. And though all men should forsake thee, by thy grace, I'll follow thee. Jesus says to you and me this morning, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I pray that you and me collectively together this morning as we stand, now and always follow 
the Lamb wherever He goes. Amen. I invite you to bow your heads with me. And again, if you have a prayer request, if you have any anxious thoughts, if you have any prayer requests for your loved ones, for yourself, I invite you to, to write to us either through our Facebook page or through our web page and someone will pray for you. I will be praying for you and our elders and our pastor and our prayer team will be praying for you. So please send us your request. Bow your heads with me as we approach the throne of God. Our loving, gracious, merciful, heavenly Father, we thank you this morning that we have hope in Jesus. We thank you for your word that you have preserved for us that has been translated into our language that we may read it this morning as we have reading these exceedingly great and precious promises through which we might be partakers of your divine nature and being ready for Jesus' soon return. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy, and we thank you for hearing and answering our prayers even right now, because we ask it in none other but Jesus' name. Amen. Softly and tenderly, Jesus.